the greatest team in NBA history, powering through the regular season with 72 wins en route to the franchise's third, fourth NBA championship. Let's hear it for your 1995-96 Chicago Bulls. Yeah, then let's not hear other th- thoughts you, you might have on other people who actually might have you know, like built that team because then things got pretty ugly. But- what a letdown to the greatest introduction music of all time. Neil set you up perfectly. Bill Wennington is on Twitter at 34Billy42, and the Bulls radio analyst joins us on the Circus Sports Illinois hotline. Hello, Big Bill. How you doing? Dan, Layla, I am... Uh... I'm doing a. I'm doing real well, actually. Good. <laughs> I can't complain. It was very. Uh, it was, uh... Go, Go ahead, ahead, Bill. This is this is your this is your time, not our time. <laughs> uh, no, um, <laughs> our paychecks differ for that reason. Um, <laughs> but it, no, it was a fantastic event. Uh, yes, uh, going back to the. Thelma Krause moment, uh, that's going to be a dark spot, I think, for a long time. Very, very, very disappointed in that. Uh, She was there representing uh, Jerry's legacy. And regardless of what you think uh, about Jerry for whatever, he did build a good team, put that team together. He hired Phil Jackson, who at the time was a quirky CBA coach with a lot of different ideas that no one else was hiring. And later on a few years a couple of years later puts him in charge to to lead this team and then he goes on and drafts you know scotty pippen horace grant he gets in trades bill cartwright and uh, you know and the rest of it just falls into place that to put that team around it so he really did a great job to get that and without him yeah you know maybe the bulls win a championship or two but uh, they don't win six like they did because he put together some good teams. So uh, very disappointed in the fans that booed uh, at the United Center the other night during that ceremony. Aside from that, absolutely a fantastic 72 hours for all the inductees, uh, for that whole team and everyone else that was there. Uh, the Bulls put on a first class uh, a, w- a week for us and took care of everybody and had a thought of just about, just about everything to make it perfect for us. Who are you happiest to see? Everyone. You know, Dan, that's the first time that more than three of us have been in a room for an extended period of time with, you know, without having jobs to do. And you know, like that, that, that really the three of us have never been in a room before, except for about three weeks ago, Dennis was in town. So Tony, Randy, Myself and Dennis were in a room, but we were for about 30 minutes when, when we're all getting ready to go to our, do our jobs for the game that night, where we could do, we just spent time, talked and relaxed and uh, reminisced about old times and could tell stories and remember this, remember that. And, oh, my gosh, wasn't that funny? And it, it was just a wonderful, wonderful time. And it really made me realize how strong the bonds with those guys are because it was like we were together yesterday reliving game a game that we played two nights ago and just so much fun you could tell 
Bill at the gala, I was going to say earlier, it was so nice to see like you and your wife, for example, on the red carpet and what we saw out of out of so many players who were there. You know, you focus on who's not there as fans, but to see how many people were there and what all they said, it just seemed like a very joyful event. And that was before everything started. That was before the dinner where we saw a lot of that. What do you want yeah, people? Well, we'd already. No, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead. We, we, we'd already been together for a little bit. And, you know, you walk in the hotel and you see guys checking in. Uh, Judd Bushler, I hadn't seen him in a couple of years since he was coaching in New York. Uh, James Edwards, I see him up in, uh, in, in Detroit when we go up to play the Pistons because he's up in the Detroit area now. Luke, we, we rarely see him. He's been back to the United Center just a couple of times since seeing him and Ron Harper's been back once or twice, but you don't get to see him that much. And John Sally was in town and we see him out in LA once in a while, but you just don't see these guys enough. And to be able to sit down and talk with them and just reminisce and, and remember all the, the good times we had and, and how hard we, we worked and how much we had to do together. And I, I did say, um, in, at the gala, you know, it's, we all wanted to play more, and but we all understood exactly what our role was on the team and what we needed to do to make that team good. And it was when you sacrifice like that at your job and work with people that hard to do what we did, you really do form these deep bonds together. What do you want people to know about this event instead of maybe what they might remember for it? Well, obviously the boos are, are, are bad and, and I understand maybe frustration with people with the way the team broke up, but you know, we'll never know what could have happened. And it was a long time ago. And that, that is people being upset with what they don't have, not what they do have. And what we do have is literally for a decade. And I was fortunate enough to be there for, you know, six of those years with the bulls, but you have six championships, and that's phenomenal. As far as who came, who didn't come, that's their issue. And the Bulls bent over backwards to get to try and get everyone there. And they went above and beyond. And if people didn't want to show up, then that, that's their problem. And it's it's tough because I I really do think our bond is is strong. But you're not whether you're mad at the organization or you're mad at certain people. The rest of us are there, and back in the 90s, we were there together, fighting together with each other, and they, if you didn't want to come for whatever your reasons are, you, you, it's a little bit of a letdown for the guys that were there because that's the team that we were and, and what we did together, but that's your issue, and you have to deal with that. But for the guys that were there, it was a phenomenal – not one guy – that, I, that was there was disappointed in the event and the emotions that we all felt down on the floor as uh, Neil Funk introduced us, it was unbelievable. It, it chills, goosebumps, tears. Every single guy on that floor was just amazed. Wanted to look at the basketball aspect too because that night the Bulls played maybe their best half of the season in that first half. A rollicking, exciting, and and Kobe White is just splashing in big shots. He looked like looked like Ben Gordon out there. And then the second half they forgot how to play pick and roll defense and they didn't shoot well and they just got shredded. 
And it was really unfortunate because, you know, we could be talking about a, a win streak coming in instead of just a, a two and one stretch right here. But if your people haven't been paying attention, Zach Levine is averaging, what, seven rebounds, six assists. And I, I actually don't think he's taking enough shots, which is really a strange thing, the way he's been fitting in. I think he was passing almost to a fault. He, he was not – I, I never have a problem with him taking a three. I rarely have a problem with him taking a contested three. It's just the long twos I don't want in there. But he was fitting in. And I think in part, with Patrick Williams out, and all of a sudden Zach's in the corner instead, and Zach is your baseline cutter, floor spacer, atta- corner attacker, I liked that. Uh, I like it very much. And again, I, I love Zach and I think he's great for this team. I think he is now bought into what the team is really trying to do. I think he is, and I agree with you at, at times, not looking for a shot, but really looking to just move the ball and find the next open guy. Cause the, the five games he's been back now, you're right. He's averaging seven points, six assists and 16 points. Uh, and he is allowing, by him doing that and getting into the corner, it, it allows better spacing on the floor for a guy like Kobe who can get to the rim and finish and score and shoot himself. Now you got three guys that can literally score and give you 30 points in a game, in Kobe, DeMar, and Zach. And then you throw Vooch into the mix, and he can throw in his inside game, post-up moves, and his outside game and set some good screens and roll to the basket, I really think that opens the floor up. And Zach has really done a fantastic job of buying into the system since he's been back. I also uh, think that what we've seen isn't just like the rebound piece from Zach Levine, but the game before when he's trying to make things happen turnover-wise too. You know, a great way to help your, your turnover ratio is to try to steal some, and we saw that effort as well. Uh, we absolutely have. His defense has picked up, and I, I really believe he's pay, paying better attention or, or recognizing situations better. He's jumping into passing lanes, tipping the ball, getting getting steals, and getting down getting down the floor. And that's going to help everyone when he does, not just himself, but that, that really helps the team when he can disrupt other teams' offenses by being that guy that – uh, recognizes oh, the guy in the corner is going to get the ball now. I'm going to get in that passing lane and take the ball away as a, as a helper or a rotator on the Bulls' defense. So uh, that has definitely picked up, and I agree with you. His, his defense the other night in the first half was absolutely phenomenal. How are you going to figure out the proper minutes for Andre Drummond? Because like his per-minute stats are hilarious of, of how productive <laughs> he is, and yet you can't play him in some matchups at all just because – there, there are going to be times where he's going to get exposed. But man, he's he's gone from a novelty to a much more serious basketball player, and I think in large part it is a great story about both his physical and mental health conditioning. I, Dan, couldn't agree with you more. One of my favorite guys on the Bulls teams, always smiling, is always personable. Uh, and rarely have I seen him upset just a couple of times when I believe he got taken out of the game before he wanted to come out. Uh, have I seen him, uh, upset and his rebounding abilities are just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I do believe offensively he rushes his shot once in a while, but 
for the most part, if he gets the ball within two feet of the basket, you can't stop him. And Dan, you know this, he's a big man. There's, there's not today in today's NBA, there's not many guys that can move him away from the basket. He's just too big and too strong. So uh, I, I agree. You got to find ways to get him on the floor and, and play him. Cause when he's out there, he's doing some great things. I get it at times when there are matchups and he's going to get, have to get switched on to a guy that can shoot threes or drive around him. It, it makes it difficult, but I, I still think he can be very effective on the floor. And even for me, uh, I like it when he and Vooch play together. I know Billy's experimented with it last year and it's happened once or twice this year. But I think that's viable because I don't think anyone in the NBA can guard those two guys when they're on the floor at the same time. But having said that, when they're on the floor at the same time, you have to use them and make the other team pay. Well, I think it's it's an old school line of construction to have two bigs like that. That's like, uh, you know, probably 10 years, 15 years ago, you'd see more of that. Well, you'd see it in college well, all the well, time against two, three zones when you're well, you doing see, a lot of the high low stuff. You see it right now in Minnesota. Yeah. You do, like, and and it's and look where Minnesota is right now. And, then, and people were talking about Minnesota last year. Oh, this could be how's it going to work out? And obviously, with the injuries, it didn't work out well. But this year, it's it's turned around with Gobert and uh, Big Cat. Uh, so it's it's it can work. You just have to use that properly, and it's it's hard because the Bulls are not built around that. So if the two of them are playing together, it changes everything. Uh, with what the Bulls are trying to do offensively. So it is a huge adjustment. So I, I get why it's difficult to do it. And you just don't see it anymore. But I'm I'm of the opinion now in the NBA, because it's a copycat league, Dan, and you see everything, uh, Layla, too, that every team is running the same offense. Mm-hmm. And when you change things up, teams don't know what to do. And it's, it's funny. We used to t- just talk about full-court presses once in a while, and Phil would throw them on once in a while, just out of the blue to change things up. And inevitably you're going to get a steal or two or a force a turnover because teams aren't ready for it. They just don't know how to handle it. How many teams in the NBA practice against two big guys in the league right now? No one. So they have two guys that could post up at any time and you have to rotate from somewhere on the floor to, to try and stop them down low. And I just think if you can create something that teams don't have a chance to practice every day they're going to forget what they used to do in high school and college to stop it and coaches are going to have to call a timeout and readjust things and reset this program yeah they have minutes and fouls to give you know i mean that's it too is there's a minutes management there and a fouls management that they have to deal with as well that's part of the greatness of that concept absolutely and and (laughs) you and you got they both have skill sets, and I think their skill sets work together now because because Vooch can go to the outside. If, if Vooch couldn't go to the outside, then I think you're really crowding the floor too much. But because you can post them both up, both up, and as Dan said, the high low, you can run a high low set with them both. I think that helps. And then you still have your other three guys that are spread out around the floor that. Uh, can shoot threes for you. So it, it's, and, and they're both willing passers. It's not like neither one of them can pass the ball. I just think it provides different opportunities and something that most teams in the NBA haven't practiced for or against in a long time. It's funny that you mentioned that most teams are running a version of the same offense. And I was thinking about this during the ceremony 
about how many basic Tex Winter concepts are still in use as as bread and butter NBA concepts, even as everything's gravitated to the three point line. I mean, the the vectors are different. Like the lengths of some of the line segments are different because of the three, but the guys are getting open similar ways. We still see the pinch action. We still see that a lot of that post split and a lot of what was going on as, as a, as a natural offshoot from when the Bulls were running an offense that, you know, would, sure, at the end of the shot clock, it would always get down to, you know, give it to Michael, get out of the way, or give it to Kobe, get out of the way, which is why a lot of coaches scoffed at it. But the actual building blocks of it are visible no matter when you turn on the TV. It, yeah, you're absolutely right. And the concepts are all there. And I really believe that there are a lot of coaches and people that weren't Phil Jackson fans mm-hmm. because – you know, he was – Phil is who he is and was quite confident in his abilities and uh, let people know what he thought about them and his his system and everything else. So I think there's a lot of people that just weren't Phil Jackson fans, not necessarily the triangle. So when you talk to people about the triangle, they try to shut it down or talk poorly of it, not because it's bad, but because of Phil Jackson. That's what he was running and it really is. And you, Steve Kerr, the Golden State Warriors are running a lot of that pinch post actions, blind pig mm-hmm. uh, action. Um, yeah, the, the blind and, pig was that, that was a little backdoor cut, right? Yep. That's yes. a, that's a short angle, forty five degree angle backdoor. Yep. yep. And you, you'd have you'd have a guard coming off uh, the center or a four coming up, send a pick kind of in the middle, kind of like an extended UCLA cut, but it was right. happening way up in the front court. Right. And, and there were so many options off that. And the neat thing about the triangle was it wasn't a set play. It wasn't like pass the ball to Bill. Bill, you pass the ball to Steve. Steve, you're going to have uh, Ron Harper cut off your back. And, Scotty, you're going to cut over and you're going to get a three-point shot. It's You're going to pass the ball to Bill. And then whatever the defense does, everyone else do. Make that adjustment. So... Steve may may not even cut or may have to cut a different direction because the defense is forcing him a different way. And it was just a way to adjust to what the defense is doing because there's the defense can always take something away, mm-hmm. but they can't take everything away. And the offense was just built around, it was a series of options that you just take what the defense gives you. And all five guys had to work together because once one guy deviated from where it was supposed to go. It changed the reaction of everyone else. And it was once you get that concept, and Phil even, when I was first learning it, Phil, Phil even yelled at me. And I was, he says, Billy, he says, Billy, what are you doing? You stop. What are you doing? He says, I forgot where I was supposed to go. I, like, I didn't understand. He goes, it really doesn't matter. He goes, just go to an open spot, and the other four guys will adjust to what you did. He goes, but you can't stand still. And, that, and that's really the essence of it. It's it's all spacing and movement to get guys open shots. I mean, I it's funny because when you're talking about this, you know I'm picturing the Dennis Rodman last dance where he's making the arm movements, trying to explain to you how the triangle rotates, right? It, it's, <laughs> it's just, it comes back to that for me. But 
it is it is funny how simple it can be sometimes. It's more about like thinking like you're in a route tree concept for a receiver in a way. It, it, it's very much like that. It's, uh, you know, guys will be in, in in a zone going out on a route and they'll get handed off to someone, but there's a whole open gap. You can you know, freelance and just go to that gap. And if you've got a good team and a quarterback and everything, everyone understands what's going on and they all see the same thing together, it works. But the problem is you have to, everyone has to see the same thing together. And I think that's why a lot of coaches couldn't teach it to, to the to players because players have to really understand spacing and basketball and the movements and, and what's not just where your man is defensively, but where everyone's man is, where the open spots are and be able to recognize that and move together as a unit quickly. I had, I'm trying to remember who might've been Frank Hamblin who, who told me this. Somebody said that for everything that was said about Dennis Rodman, as, as big a goof as that guy is, that it was one practice and the coaches were like, you know, Dennis, you're going to have to play the three, the four, and the five. It's like, I got it. Like, what do you mean you got it? It's like, no, I, I, I got it. And he did. Like, it was yep. like the Matrix. He just, like, he, he, he saw it and he played, played against it. And then he just kind of downloaded everything and knew all three positions perfectly. What? the average person doesn't know about Dennis is he watched a lot of film, a lot of film and really understood what was going on on the floor. And so much so that he understood, we were talking to him one night and he said, you know, I could tell in games when guys start to get tired and their shot is going to be a little bit shorter than normal and then after a while, a lot of guys, because they are tired, they start to overcompensate and they <clears throat> overshoot the ball because they're using too much arm and because they're, they're compensating because their legs are tired. I'm like, well, how do you get that? Well, you watch the film and you can see them when they're shooting, their mechanics change and their legs change when they're shooting. And I'm like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're watching their whole body and you're, you're, you're seeing that when they shoot the ball? He goes, yeah. He says, Don't you? Oh, yeah, of course I do, Dennis. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I'm sorry. And it's just like he just really studies the game and watch so much and just understands the tendencies of everyone that's playing. And that's one of the reasons why he he says he was such a great rebounder. He just understood where the ball was going to go when guys shot it. I do think there is a greatness, though, in, in being able to explain it. And I feel like for him, that's a lot of it. I have an idea, Bill. I want to bounce it off of you. Okay. <laughs> I know how sad he was to not be there on Friday night. Like, I think you could tell as well. Maybe yes. they just do like a Rodman night. Uh, he, yes, he would love that. We, we, um, had a ga- the gala the night before. And after that, uh, Tony, Luke, Judd, myself, Randy, I know I'm forgetting someone, Tony, Judd, Randy, Phil Jackson, Steve Kerr. Uh, The only ones that didn't come, John Sally wasn't there. Dickie Simpkins had to leave. James Edwards and uh, Ron Harper stayed at the hotel. Uh, But we we went out together, just us. And it was just us. And Dennis called and we FaceTimed with Dennis and he was upset. Uh, 
and was talking to all of us on a FaceTime and, and he was really upset and wanted to get there and felt really bad. He had missed his flight. Uh, I believe it was on Wednesday. He was supposed to be there, but, and he said, you know, I will get there somehow I will get there. And he, and obviously the next day the flights were canceled and jammed up with the weather and everything. So it didn't happen, but we knew he was upset and really wanted to be there. And, you know, and that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, things like that happen. And Dennis is a big part of the team and everybody on the team loved Dennis. I mean, he gave his heart and soul on the floor and yes, the off the court antics were uh, very entertaining, <laughs> but, uh, but we, we loved what he did on the floor and we knew exactly what he, what he meant to that team and what he was for us. And I think part of the reason I bring it up is because he was at the United center recently for a wrestling event you could just yeah. tell how much it meant to him to be back in town. And I think yeah. how he's been received that that might not be something that everybody either remembered happened recently or would want to know. No, he, yeah, he was received very well and, and, and he loved it. He, he was actually, he left the court in tears and was just, cause he's, I don't know. He, he's, you know, in in a lot of ways, he's very shy and and doesn't really know how people felt about him and and the love that the fans showed him that night and the ovation that he got when he presented the game ball, uh, you know, was really emotional for him. And Dennis is very very emotional, and you know, he he loved that. So, and and he loves his teammates and he knows what we did and how hard we worked together. So. Uh, I think it'd be great. I think the Bulls have reached out to him uh, for a couple of things and are trying to get him more involved in, in the organization and, and being around a little bit more. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens with it. Bill Wennington, this is a delight. Thanks for taking the time. And uh, here's to some uh, continued success for the Bulls in Cleveland. I hope so. It could be it could be a good game tonight. I agree. <laughs> I'm, all right. We celebrate you regardless, Bill. That is Bill Wennington. You will hear him on the call with Chuck Swirsky.